to another episode of the Decision Hour. I'm Adam Bird, and Patty is out on assignment right now. She's going to be back with us here uh, soon. Uh, we got a really special guest lined up for you today. Uh, this man is a veteran. Uh, he is the creator of Miami WebFest, Mr. Brian Thompson. Brian, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Appreciate you taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to uh, to talk with us today. So thank you. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. You guys are doing great stuff over there, so I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. Well, thank you, thank you. So let's jump right into it. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? All right, so um, I run uh, a film festival for web series called Miami Web Fest, and it's got a, a division that is for veterans called the Veteran Film Awards. Um, I'm formerly an Army logistics officer, and um, I served for 11 and a half years and, um, you know, deployed to Iraq, didn't didn't uh, deploy to Afghanistan, but uh, I definitely, um, you know, I'm medically retired because of something that happened with my lung, and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to uh, create as many opportunities as I can for uh, veterans who make films um, because I'm, I'm also a filmmaker and, you know, I want to see people, uh, you know, move to the next level if they can. How'd you get started in filmmaking? I mean, did you just wake up in the morning and was just like, you know what, I'm going to do film. You know, I was one of those guys that I always wanted, um, you know, I, I have like a, a lot of different things that I'm interested in. Right. So, um, as I was growing up, I, you know, I was one of those kids who couldn't really figure out. It wasn't, I wasn't that kid that knew exactly what he wanted to do. I was more like that kid is like, wow, you know, I like this. And my mom was an attorney, so I'd like to be an attorney. And then, you know, somebody else would come along and is like, yeah, you know, I'm a, uh, astronaut. Oh, I want to be an astronaut too. You know? And then, you know, I think that, um, of course, I'm, love superheroes and that sort of thing. So I thought, yeah, the military is going to be going to be great for me one day, but I, I jumped around with a lot of things, but a lot of, um, I had a lot of creative interests. Um, and you know, I like to draw and, and just all these different things. And so because of that, I, um, I really, you know, had to stick to, um, it was it was kind of hard for me to kind of figure out where I wanted to be at first. You know, when I was uh, when I was deployed in Iraq, you know, I had had some experience with a couple of short films that I'd done, and and I had uh, you know a little success with them. Um, and I got involved with the short films because I was you know so before I came into the military, you know, I'm doing. Uh, different jobs, you know, international business type, type stuff, and I'm um, acting on the side. And, and you know, sometimes I was singing on the side also. Cause, <clears throat> and so with all these, these things, I kind of sort of, it led me into just wanting to have more of a creative hand in this stuff. And so, you know, I was that guy who's like, I you know, I'm on set doing something. I'm like, this would be so much cooler if they did this or that. And so, um, it just kind of blossomed from there, you know, into me kind of writing down ideas and then 
finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to write uh, a script. And so, um, when I was deployed in Iraq, I got my first idea for a film and, you know, like somebody who really doesn't know, you know, anything about film, I came up with this idea that was like super expensive. Um, and it was like, like you know, shoot the moon. On probably, us, all right? Yeah, man. It was like a $10 million movie. And I was, you know, I, I had no idea that it would be hard to do. And so I, you know, and, and of course I didn't know like how to write a script, all the, the technical aspects of writing a script. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, um, let me go back once I, you know, once I get back and let me create, um, create a treatment and then find somebody to, um, you know, who knows how to make film, who can actually, you know, put it together for me. So I, you know, I looked on social media, I found a couple guys who knew what they were doing. And then I, you know, when I really, you know, I, I did the, the research before I redeployed. And then, um, you know, once I got back, I contacted these guys and I went to some of their, you know, local premieres and stuff. It was in, I was stationed in uh, Fort Eustis at the time. And so, um, or that's where we redeployed from. And so, um, you know, I connected with some of these guys and we created something which was actually, it wasn't a film it was a concept trailer because the dude, the first thing they told me was like, like, dude, there's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. got it. Yeah. You want to make this big budget feature film. that has got explosions <laughs> and all this stuff in it, but <laughs> like realistically, you're going to have to do some fundraising to make that happen. And did you know he was like i don't have the money so if you're gonna really make this happen then you know you need to make a concept trailer and you know we'll i'll help you direct this thing and so this guy he he put together something um and it was good but you know i can say honestly it wasn't great is because it was like there just wasn't that much to it you know because he was sort of in my opinion he was thinking small and so um, what happened is one of the people that I ended up contacting to help me, you know, put this whole thing together, you know, uh, crew member as a crew member, she happened to know this guy named Tony Todd. Now, um, you know, people who are older, you know, who lived in the nineties will probably remember um, the Candyman. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that guy, Tony Todd, happened to have worked on an independent project. He was, you know, in this phase of his career where he was working on independent projects, you know. So um, he had worked on one with this girl and she, you know, I, she asked me like, you know, who were some of the people that I'd love to star in this movie if I did get that big budget. And he was one of those people. You know, he just sort of fit the role that I was looking for. And she was like, oh, I know him. So next thing you know, we're actually in contact. And so I decided, all right, so if I'm going to do this, I need this, this concept trailer to look better. 
And so I went back to the drawing board and I'm mind you, I'm spending all my own money to do this. Right. And, you know, this is the backstory with all this is I've just gone through a divorce. So I kind of like I, I deployed married and I redeployed single. And so I'm like, yeah, you know that story I mean? sounds so, familiar. <laughs> yeah. So I need this. Like I need it to be awesome. Cause I, I'm just, you know, you're at that point in your life where you just like, you need something. And, and, um, when, for me anyway, when I joined the military, this is kind of a side note, but when I joined the military, I, um, I had, it was like, I signed up after nine 11 and I was single at the time I signed up. Then I went back to Ecuador where I was living, working in international business. And then I got married to my living girlfriend at that time and then got her, well, I got a fiance visa and then I brought her to the States and we got married. So, you know, I signed up for a job for one job, but I couldn't do that job because I, I couldn't do that job because it required a top secret clearance, which I couldn't get right off the bat because I married a foreign national who happened to be from Colombia and Ecuador, you know? Um, and so she was a lot of, you know, there was, there was just a lot of sort of, um, I'm doing this for my country and my family and, you know, all of this. And so, and I made a lot of sacrifices for, um, for that to work. And so when I got divorced, it was like, I, I needed something to sort of drive that motivation and, and also kind of take my mind off of the fact that, um, I was divorced. And so, um, so yeah, I needed this thing to work. So, you know, getting back to it, I, um, I start doing, I put together this, the second round. And when I put together the second round um, to make this concept trailer even better so I can actually raise this $10 million because I've never done it. But of course, at this point, you know, I'm a logistics officer in the army, so I believe I can do anything. Right. right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I am programmed. I got to it. Believe Don't worry I about it. Do I got it. I got anything. it. Anything. <laughs> um, so, like, oh yeah, ten million dollars, Roger. Got it. Right. Okay, let's do it. That is. And Is so, that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too easy. Too easy. And um, so I go back to the drawing board. I'm going to make this thing bigger and better, right? So, and I'm, I got this actor to fill in um, and I'm telling this guy and I'm telling everybody, look, we got this guy filling in, but once we get the money, then we're actually going to bring in Tony Todd to, to play this character. Well, Tony Todd had, I didn't realize this, but he actually had a real relationship with the girl who... Um, who was saying, I know him. And so he's hearing about this stuff. And so he asked her, he's like, why are they doing this without me? So I'm saying to him through her, cause we ain't got money like that, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, he, he literally, he says, you know, tell me what you can do and we'll work it out. And he worked it out with us, oh, with me. Nice. And he flew to Virginia 
where I was stationed. And we shot this thing in Virginia. Nice. So, you know, from that point, that's real. That was my entrance, my real entrance in the filmmaking, because, you know, the concept trailer came out, you know, amazing. Um, I didn't raise the $10 million, but it led to other things, which has been great. Um, you know, a really great ride. And a lot of those things, you know, you know, the films that I've done and won a lot of awards and all that stuff. But it was like him coming in just gave me instant credibility. Right. With all of the actors and filmmakers and all the people that were involved in this project. And there were like a hundred people involved in the project. Um, because I didn't know any better. Like I was, I really just didn't know any better than to do a big. Right. How long, what's the timeline, Brian, on this? Like when you had, when you first had this idea to shooting the, the trailer in Virginia, what was the, that timeline? A, a year, two years, um, six months? Let's see. So I got this idea in like 07, you know, and I'm like on the treadmill in Iraq. Uh, 08, we redeployed. So from probably August 07 to, I want to say, September 09. So, you know, about a year and a half, two years, I guess. Nice. And so, so, I mean, that, that, that stuff takes time to put together. I don't think some people realize how long it takes to put the, some of these films, these ideas, you know, the trailers, raising the money and stuff like that. It, it, it takes a while. To, yeah. to put these things yeah. together. So fast forward, like how did okay, go from that, right? Is it in mm-hmm. this this Miami uh web fest that I've I heard a lot about. Um and, and those of you that are listening to the show right now, you're already online, open up another browser, go to MiamiWebfest.com. You gotta check this out. And if you're ever down in Miami, which I've started going a little more frequently. Um, this year was my first year down there. I've been down there twice. I'm planning on going down several times next year. Uh, you got to check this out. Uh, MiamiWebFest.com. Talk to us about this Miami WebFest. Yeah. So, um, you know, you fast forward a little bit. I mean, from that point, I, I, you know, I had, um, well, you know, my next thing was it's everything that I've done can in some way be related back to that moment because, you know, the next hurdle of, of people not wanting to give me the $10 million was, well, you haven't, you know, I wanted to be one of the actors in this thing, one of the main actors. And they were like, well, you haven't acted in anything. We don't know if you can act and that kind of thing. Right. Mind you, the people that are telling me this don't have the $10 million. They're just telling me they're giving, they're answering the question from their point of view and I'm buying into it cause I don't know any better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the next thing is, okay, I'm going to make a short film and I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And so I make the short film I, that I write and produce and direct, um, where I, it's about these Cubans. Cause I know I'm moving back to Miami at some point when I get out, but I'm thinking it's going to be 15 years from now, you know, from that point when I, actually retire. Um, but it's about these Cubans who are trying to get off the island in an unconventional way. And there's just all this drama and conflict and all this stuff. Right. Um, and the storyline was inspired by my divorce. 
So it was very deep and profound and, you know, all this kind of thing. And so, um, and in this movie, I played a Cuban. So I had to like, I mean, I I learned Spanish, um, you know, was in high in high school, and then all through college, I was I did international business, so I knew Spanish. But to to be able to speak Spanish with a Cuban accent, and you know, it took some it took some work, a lot of work actually, um, you know, character study and that sort of thing. And so I did this um, and made the movie. And people were blown away by this movie because I was doing it with a chip on my shoulder. Like, I'll show you. You right. know what I mean? Um, but it, it ended up working out. And actually, it, it won awards, believe it or not, in Miami. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I know. It's just... Uh, <laughs> and, um, I love it. <laughs> and then, you know, then that project, it wasn't an action project. So then I had to come up with an action project and, um, and I decided to do a web series because at this time, you know, now you're, you're fast forwarding about 2012 or so, um, a a certain phenomenon has started to happen where people are doing these series, you know, this, uh, episodic content and they just put it online on, on like YouTube and, you know, people go and watch it and they get so many views that companies like HBO and Netflix start noticing it and they'll pick it up either for development or distribution. So that happened with two programs um, that are now on net on HBO called uh, one is called insecure and another one is called high maintenance. Both of those shows, they started off as, as, um, as web series um, that anyone could watch. Another one, uh, called Broad City. It was a comedy, and that one got picked up by Comedy Central. Hmm. So, so I'm looking at this phenomenon, and I'm going, "Well, I want to be a part of that." So let me do a web series. Let me start getting into the web series world because that is clearly the future of independent filmmaking. Um, so I make this web series, um, and with the web series, it's like it's now I can on a micro budget, I can throw in all this really cool stuff. And plus at this point now I've learned how you can, I know what to tell uh, special effects artists and I know how to sort of craft a scene in a way that isn't going to necessarily cost me, you know, hundred thousand dollars, but I can still get a big budget effect. And I've also learned at this point how to choreograph the fight scene and, you know, all this, all, all of this stuff at this point have been self-taught, of course. Um, but I'm able to do these things. And so this web series that I created, um, it really had all those elements. Now we had some, some issues with trying to get it edited and, you know, this, this different, personality issues you, know, you got to bring in when you're doing independent films you have to bring in the right personalities and put them all together in order for stuff to happen on the right timeline right. you know what i mean right um and so you know we had some issues with that but eventually we got it out and started winning awards with that stuff so um in the process of doing this I realized um i started going to these these festivals obviously in order to to get the recognition and get people to see it. And some of the festivals that I was going to, 
I was noticing that, you know, it's basically, it's boring. It's a bunch of people sitting around who really don't know each other because there aren't, you know, real networking opportunities for the filmmakers to get to know each other. And so I'm like traveling all the way from Virginia to Los Angeles to be in a room with a bunch of strangers that don't know me and, you know, don't really could care less. And they also see me as competition because that's kind of, you know, LA is, is very world. competitive. Yeah. Just that kind of world. Um, which is not the world that I'm coming from. You know, my experience up until that point with filmmaking has been very collaborative, you know, in other places outside of, of that world, you know, it's about, Oh, we just wanted to get this done. It's about the creative experience, you know, and bringing it to light. I mean, people want to get paid, but they don't want to get paid a ton of money. And it's like, you know, I can't charge you this because the, you're going to tell somebody and, and then, you know, my value goes down overall, you know, they're not worried about all that stuff. So they just want a fair wage for a fair day's work kind of thing. So, um, but I was disappointed also in the fact that, you know, we're watching our stuff on the screen, but nobody that's in those seats could ever do anything to get us to HBO or Netflix or, you know, the next level or even improve our content, even like, you know, some, cause I, I at that point I would have been very thankful to have somebody in the room who had like made a big budget film, for example, who could say, you know what, this would be great. And this would get picked up if you just did this and this and this. So I know for my next project to do those three things rather than just, you know, floundering around in the dark, like just trying to figure it out on my own. So Brian, you know? were, were these, when you're at these different like film events and stuff like that, was, was it just the wrong people in the room? Well, it just wasn't the only people in the room were other people like me. Right. We're trying to get exposure. So if you're so, trying to take it to the next level, those really aren't the people that you're wanting to, that you need in order to get the right advice or whatnot to, to take it up a notch or get to the, as you said, the Netflix, the HBOs and, and stuff like that. Exactly. Is that, am I, am I, is that a correct statement? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I'm frustrated because not only that, but as an independent film, like I was, I'm in, I, at this point, you know, I'm, I've gone from E4 to O3. And so I'm like, I'm, I have a little bit of disposable income that I can work with, with this stuff, you know? Um, but these people are like, you know, they're independent filmmakers and that's kind of all they got that. And, you know, maybe a job at subway or something. So for them to spend all this money to go halfway across the country, you know, to have nobody in the room that can, you know, make a difference in their lives as artists is like, it's kind of an embarrassment. Like it's, it's really not cool. Right. So that is what inspired me to make Miami web fest. Um, so it was, you know, look at it this way. So this is, this, this is boiling up inside of me now. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm, I'm going to these festivals. It's kind of boiling up inside of me. And, of course, I have to take leave to go to a festival. I have to, you know, I got to get 
execute all these permissions. It has to it has to fit into operation tempo and all of these things. So it makes a real sacrifice to right. go to this stupid festival. <laughs> so um, you're jumping through a lot yeah. of hoops to make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so you know, while this is happening, I I get um, I get sick. So. When I was deployed, you know, to go back a little bit, back in 2008, I got pneumonia for the first time in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in Iraq, and it's just pretty funny because we're getting mortared, and, like, they made us, you know, if you can imagine this, you know how you get that uh, that dress that, you know, is out in the back <laughs> and it's only in the front. And so, you know, when you get mortared, you oh, got to yeah. run out. Yeah. You know, you have to run out and in all your glory. Under the <laughs> so I'm like, this is fun. Plus, I'm wheezing because I got. Uh, I can't breathe, and I feel the draft. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. So, um, so yeah. So that was my first time getting pneumonia, and when it was over, the the X-ray showed that I had a little, little circle but they assumed that that circle was uh, scar tissue. Well, come to find out that circle, we find out, you know, several years later that that circle was actually a growth in my lung and it just had progressively gotten bigger and bigger over the years. So in 2013, I got pneumonia three times oh, and they were like, dude, this is, you know, if, if we don't take care of this, you could, yeah, I mean, people die from pneumonia. Right. So, Right. You know, um, we got to take care of this. And they're like, well, we can chop out a piece of your lung or we can go in and do the robotic thing. And I was like, well, which are you better at? <laughs> he was like, well, I'm better at the chopping. So I was like, okay, well, you know, chop off a piece of the lung. So he chopped off a significant piece of my lung. And I realized that, you know, I, the military was definitely going to medically retire me. So at that point, I'm like, hmm, okay. I wonder now. Now I'm really thinking, you know, exit strategy. What's my next move? Right. You know, um, and also I'm also thinking like I need a win here, right? So, um, because I'm, it's it's a weird thing. Like even if you have a lot of issues on your job, like even if if your job is really stressful or you don't like your duty station or you feel like you got, you know, uh, toxic leadership or whatever the problem is, there's something that the military gives you that when you no longer have the military, you feel it. You know what I mean? Um, and so at least that was my, my experience. And so I was like, damn, what am I going to do now? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. I was very comfortable in that space where I had my creative endeavors on the side and I had my job where I, you know, I felt like I was on track to, to do that, you know, to be that super soldier that I dreamed of being as a kid, you know what I mean? And so now you're like, you know, everything is flip flop. my like, what, what's supposed to happen now? And so, um, Right after my surgery, I woke up and I was like, you know, I told my fiance, bring me my laptop. And I registered the domain name, MiamiWebFest.com. And um, and this was in February 2014. And 
And then I, you know, I had a friend who had put together my filmmaking website. So I was like, yeah, I need you to put together this website. It's got to have, you know, a way for people to make submissions to me for content and all the stuff. And he did it. And the next thing you know, um, who I found out later was a former Marine. I didn't realize that. I'm like, wow, this whole <laughs> thing is getting started with military folks. And I didn't even know it. Um, and you know, then, I mean, before I got out of the hospital, cause you know, you can't walk for, for me, it was like 10 days right. where I had to be in the hospital. And for at least the first five days, I couldn't walk at all. But before I got out of the hospital, I, before I could walk, I had my first submissions and yeah, before I got out of the hospital, I had enough submissions that I was like, Oh man, I, uh, I have to do this. So, so <laughs> like, in, in 2014, Miami Web Fest was 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 born, right? Yeah. And before mm-hmm. you, and, and all the while you're in the hospital, you're wow, you're in the hospital recovering from pneumonia, right? And or from a surgery that you just had, where they removed a, a big portion of your lung, and 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 before you leave the hospital, you're already getting submissions of, of, of films. Exactly. Listen, Brian, we we're coming up on time, and I want to make sure you we're hitting this right here. But another question: first off, folks, before if you're listening to this show, it means you're already online. Go to MiamiWebFest.com, and you got to check it out. And especially if you're a filmmaker out there, strongly encourage you to reach out. Brian knows his stuff, and, and his stuff is absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm looking forward to going down. I didn't get a chance to make it this past year. I would definitely have already got it on my calendar for next year uh, to go down to Miami for this um, and reach out to Brian. It's MiamiWebFest.com. It's born. It takes off. Let me ask you this. Uh, what's next for you right now and Miami WebFest? What, what, what's next? Well, we're going on our fifth year now. So, you know, the fifth year has to be the best year. Um, We South Beach was really good to us last year. We've kind of opened up that that can of worms where it's like we had we've had celebrities, you know, major celebrities. We had Keith David. We had uh, this past year, we had Keith David. We had Bobby Ross, who was a director of Lost, Prison Break, Hawaii, Five-O, and a bunch of other um, great shows. We had uh, General Bernard Lufke, who was um, the first uh, airborne ranger to uh, do a parachute jump with the, uh, with the Chinese, the communist Chinese. And, um, you know, he's a documentary filmmaker also. I mean, we had, it was, it was very star studded last year, the most it has ever been. And you, you can't go backwards from something like that. So in 2019, our fifth year, it's going to be dynamite. I love it. I love it. All right. Now, Brian, there's, there's another question I have to ask you. It's just, it's something that I ask everybody, all of our guests on the show. Um, you're on the show called the decision hour and, what I want to ask you now is name a time in your life where your feet were on the line and, and you've given plenty of decision hours, uh, in your, in your story. And we all appreciate it, but name a time where your feet are on the line, right? And mm-hmm. you have to make that decision and it could be anything. Whether you started the company, got out of the military, you know, whatever, join the military, whatever the case may be. But what's that time in your life where you had to make that decision and what was the atmosphere like for you at that time? So, yeah, you're, you're right. I already covered the time where I had to decide to stay in the military, even though I couldn't be a cryptologic linguist, which is what I signed up for. 
Um, so another, uh, I, I guess a good example of this happened more, much more recently. So in 20, in 2017, uh, we had a hurricane, right? So up until that point, I did my festival in September every year. This particular hurricane was so bad that everyone started evacuating. But, you know, we planned for the festival all year long. And the last six months, there's a lot of um, interactive planning with all the filmmakers who are coming in from out of town. I mean, it's about, uh, I want to say, 80, 20 where you have 80% of the people who are flying in from out of town were becoming kind of like the cans of the film fest of the web series festival community. Right. Um, and so everybody's bought their plane tickets. They bought their hotel. They got everything set up and this hurricane is coming and hurricane, you know, the prognosis is just getting worse and worse as it's getting closer and closer. And so we're like one week away and the hurricane is about to hit and the closer it gets, now, mind you, I have personally, at this point, we don't, we still haven't had any major investment into the festival. So everything is my personal investment, right? It's, it's you know, I'm spending my lunch money on this thing. And, you know, I've secured the rooms and I've secured, you know, just all the logistics for this stuff is locked. And we're one week away and I had to make a call because it's like, do I let people, you never know if the hurricane is really going to hit your area or not. And so my decision is, do I take a chance and just let people come? And even if the hurricane isn't so bad, you know, there is a possibility that the event, the experience for them may not be as good, but at least I won't lose all my, you know, all my investment and the, it, it'll happen. You know what I mean? Right. Um, or do I cancel this at exceptional personal loss? Um, and then it also, it's a question of loss to reputation, right? So it's hard enough to market to all these people to get them to show up to this event, especially locally, because there's like a ton of film festivals in Miami, but also internationally and, and, you know, throughout the country and make sure that everyone's showing up. And then if you have an experience like this, how do you get them back after that? Right. But I decided that their personal safety was just, you know, I just didn't want to take that risk of anybody getting hurt at the event or, um, you know, people coming and just having a terrible time. Um, and so I postponed the event. I didn't cancel it, but I postponed it. <clears throat> and I couldn't, you know, when it's September, you can't postpone it to the holidays because it's just going to be terrible. Like, right. you know, everybody was home. The yeah. And so, and then right after the holidays, everybody's broke. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, you know, so I'm like, well, the best time is going to be to do it in April. Um, and also you're planning around all these other events that are going on, right. you know, in your, uh, in the area. So April, um, was the time that we, you know, that I, I reset it for. But the problem with that, of course, is now it's going to be this Herculean effort to get everyone to show up because a lot of people, they lost their plane tickets. So a, a lot of the airlines, they honored the plane tickets, but a lot of, like some people flew in on European airlines, right. you know, or 
And, and so, um, and then a lot of the, the official hotel, they would honor the, you know, they'll, they'll honor it. They'll, they would, everybody had a different deal. You know, some of the hotels are like, well, we'll, it, when, if you come back at this time, then we'll honor your rooms. But if we, if you rebook a room or if you, you know, then we're going to charge you more or we'll charge you the difference between what it was because now you're going from a difference to low season to high season, different things like that. Um, and then a lot of people, you know, a lot of the Airbnbs, they just, you know, Airbnbs are like, because they're personal, a lot of these people were like, I'm not giving their money back. You know what I mean? And so there's just a lot of people suffered because of it. And because a lot of people suffered, you know, there was confusion in the marketplace or a lot of people just didn't know if it was going to happen again. And it was just really hard to get people to come back. And I knew it was going to be that way. Um, which is why we work so hard to get celebrities and to make it a star studded event and to, to really build it up. And it forced me to step my game up and to push everyone around me to step their game up so that we could have an awesome festival last year. That's awesome. And it was a great festival from what I hear, because uh, we, we have a mutual friend that was there a couple of mutual friends down in the area that, that came to it. And that's kind of how we got introduced uh, and whatnot. So I'm, I'm looking forward to next year um, and, uh, and shaking your hand because we have not truth, but truth be told, we have not met face to face folks yet. Uh, but I'm looking, I'm looking forward to yeah. that day uh, as well. I've had the pleasure of talking with Brian uh, a couple of times through over the phone and, and via email and whatnot. So Brian, I listen, I, again, folks, MiamiWebFest.com. make sure you check it out. Brian, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to sit down with us and, and let us learn and, and talk about, uh, Miami WebFest. Man, it is my absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, um, yeah, this is great. Anytime, you know, I'd love to come on your show. Absolutely. I love what you guys are doing at Heroes Media Group. I'm I'm just so impressed with everything I'm seeing, and um, you know, I I really hope that you guys have uh, have time to to come to Miami Web Fest and we can showcase you because there's a lot of uh, veteran filmmakers like myself who really you know will you know they they can find a voice through you, and that means a lot. Well, we we'll definitely be there, and you always have an open mic here, so we appreciate it. All right, thanks so much. Big shout out to Brian Thompson, veteran, award-winning filmmaker, and the founder of Miami Web Fest. Go to MiamiWebFest.com and check it out. Uh, that's all the time we have for today, folks, but we got to give a huge shout out to our parent network, Heroes Media Group. They just got a new facelift on their uh, website, so make sure you go check it out. Or if you want to become part of the HMG family, go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.